Thanks for joining us on the That's Rather Cavalier podcast. Before we get to it, make sure you follow us wherever you get your audio podcasts. Just search FFSN, That's Rather Cavalier. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Also, check out our cast shorts on the Nordall's YouTube channel. Now let's get to it. Cleveland Cavalier fans, thanks for joining us for another edition of That's Rather Cavalier Podcast. You got me, your host, Kevin Tate. I go by Tate Boy Fresh. And I got the homie BP and Pepper Pike. BP, what's up, man? Good, Tate. How you doing today? Good to see you. I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, man. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, in our series of uh, Cavalier player, player breakdowns. We've been breaking down. We just started the other day with Donovan Mitchell. We're going to break down the majority of the important pieces that we think could potentially be back. Um, we did Donovan Mitchell the other day. Today, we're going to break down Darius Garland, man. So just off the top of your head, BP, before we get into the numbers and stuff, what do you think about Darius Garland's season? Uh, you know, the, not this season, but the season before, he was an all-star. So that was like his breakout uh, all-star year where he averaged about 22 points a game. His numbers were very similar this year. You know, but to me, he took a back seat to Donovan Mitchell. So it was a bit of a, I think it was like a sort of an odd year for Darius Garland where he wasn't the star of the show like he was in the previous year. So right. overall, I thought he had a good year. He almost made the all-star team. There was a few guys ahead of him, but uh, like I think Brunson was had a better year than him at point guard. But overall, I think Darius Garland had a good season. Right. Okay. No, I, I, I certainly agree with you. Um, he, he did take a step back. I mean, I guess when a when an all star like like Donovan Mitchell comes into the building, and 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 he's a and Darius Garland is a, is, a, is a younger player, so he kind of he kind of deferred to Donovan Mitchell, which maybe he should have. It seemed to be working during the regular season, but uh, he did take a step down in his numbers. I'm looking at his numbers right here. Uh, last year, Garland averaged twenty one point seven. And this year he averaged 21.6. Last year he averaged 3.3 rebounds. And he averaged 2.7 rebounds this year. And 7.8 assists this year and 8.6 last year. So nearly so nearly a full assist a game more. The points are about, are about identical. But he was a guy last year we were looking to carry us at the end of games. He was like the only offensive threat out there that could really get his own shot last year. I mean, Levert hadn't panned out yet. This, not not this past season, the season before last, before Mitchell got there. Uh, yeah, Lavert hadn't panned out yet. Um, Evan Mobley was still really young. I mean, so we didn't have we didn't have a lot of offense. So Donovan Mitchell came this year and gives gives us a whole bunch of offense. I have some numbers here, BP, about usage rate. So the usage rate for the Cavs' top three players, which are Garland, Mitchell, and Mobley. Uh, Darius Garland's usage rate was 26.8. Donovan Mitchell was 29.2. And Evan Mobley's usage rate was 20%. So, my thought about that, tell me what you think. 
I think the Cavs would be better if it if it comes more if it comes down to more the 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 three of them are are are, are kind of equal in their usage rate. Like instead of Donovan Mitchell being up at 29, he's down at 25. Evan Mobley comes up and and, and Garland comes up. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Garland would go down because he's at 26, but 26 is okay. I think I think Mobley needs to see the ball more in the offense, either in the high post, the baseline. He had, if he gets stronger, he has to have a good a good post up game too. What do you think about all this? No, I uh, I agree with that. At the beginning of this past calf season, early in the season in October, I said on the local Cleveland radio that uh, Mobley was only getting like eight shots a game, and I was he was off to a pretty bad start, very bad start. And I said on radio he's got to get fourteen shots a game, which was really true. Once then he started getting when he's getting more shots, he makes about nine or ten out of fourteen. Then he was starting to roll. But when you give when he's only getting eight shots a game, that's not going to work for a guy like Evan Mobley that we want to sort of emulate a guy like Kevin Garnett and a guy like Chris Bosh. That's his comps. That's who he's supposed to be similar to, not just some average role player getting eight shots a game. So I completely agree with you. I felt the Cavs were too top heavy with those guards. They were shooting too much of the time. If you look at a game on average, an NBA team takes about 80 shots a game in a, in a standard game. Those guys are taking about 65% of the shots. So your research right. is true that those guys were taking were too top heavy with their usage rates compared to the rest of the guys on the team. And there's five guys on a team, not just two. Okay. No, no, I, I certainly agree with you. And I think the Cavs will also benefit from playing playing faster. I think I think if they play faster, if they get the ball and go more, if, you, if you're watching the playoffs, a lot of these teams are playing with pace. If you watched any of the the uh, Denver uh, Phoenix series, mm-hmm. those guys right. scoring up in the 120 130s, but because everybody's getting the ball and they're going, they're not allowing the defense to set. The Cavs are a defensive team, so that's all that always will be part of their identity. But I really I really feel like they could benefit for benefit from increasing the pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The Cavs had a very slow pace, but so did the Knicks. Like defensive-oriented teams with defensive-minded coaches like to slow the ball. So that's kind of what the Cavs did with Bickerstaff. That's what the Knicks do with, uh, you know, um, Thibodeau. It's almost like it's a mindset where they walk the ball up the court. They don't, you know, it's not as... I've said that the Knicks were a boring team to watch during the regular season. I'm a Cavs fan, but they might be boring to watch too to the average fan because they're... Their pace it was one of the slowest in the NBA, but it's also a methodical way to keep the score down. And that's why the Cavs had also such a good defense. They were, you know, limiting the possessions to the other team. Right. They, but because they're because actually they were, I'm looking at my notes here that I took for us. The Cavs were actually third in pace of play well, behind Philly and I don't know who the maybe, other team Maybe was. that was in the playoffs, but I, I during the regular season, I was told that the, the Cavs was a very slow paced team. No, but, no, I mean I'm in third from the bottom. I'm sorry. Oh, third from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, third yeah, from the that, bottom. That makes sense. The Cavs are a very slow paced team where in the NBA, you know, like the teams like Phoenix that are scoring 120 a night, the teams that are, you know, like uh Sacramento was a leading scoring team in the NBA. They were out of sight. They were scoring about 122 points a game. So their pace of play was at the top of the charts. Yeah, and I, I think the Cavs need to Need this a copycat league, and the Cavs need to maybe take some from that page. 
But I put I, I put the, this image up. We want to uh, just have a, a a moment of silence, me and BP here for uh, the passing of Nick Gilbert, Cavs owner Dan Gilbert's son passed away uh, yesterday. So we just want to you know honor honor him and respect that. And we're going to have a, a 10 second moment of silence. Thank you. And we're back. BP. So some other stuff I thought, man, Donovan Mitchell was taking 8.8, eight threes a game, eight threes a game. Shooting at 36%. Garland was taking 5.73s a game, shooting at 41%. So I, I think with the with the increase with the cr increase in pace, the Cavs should probably be looking to try and play with next year. We're getting the ball and running. Whether if Mobley gets it, he he can he can take it down. He can dribble across half court. Uh, if if it's one of the other guys gets the rebound, go ahead and kick it to a Mitchell or Garland. And don't wait, just go. Take your best shot you can get early as you get. But I think next year, as far as Don Donovan Mitchell, what he needs to do different next year, I think we need him shooting more threes. 5.7 is, is not enough. He need he needs to be up around eight himself. I think I think that with the with the increase in pace and shooting more threes, kind of like kind of like I mean, he I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but he he has that kind of green light with the Cavs offense. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with that, but I mean, Darius Garland is also a very, I mean, everybody knows that Garland is the best shooter on the team, you know, pound for pound. He's almost like a mini Steph Curry. I mean, he shot over 40% this season. Right. I would like to almost see, uh, I think that's why sometimes the Cavs wanted to employ like a three guard offense with Ricky Rubio and, and, and Mitchell and Garland, like spotting up for, you know, using Garland as a shooting guard because he is a great shooter. But if he's always handling the ball up the top of the key, then he can't shoot. He's more of a facilitator. But that three-guard offense didn't come into fruition this year because Ricky Rubio just wasn't ready. I, I mean, I think he was hampered by his knee injury. And we'll see what happens next year. But I do like the idea of a three-guard offense at times to try to set up Garland as an outside shooting threat. I like I like, I like, like the Cavs going small myself, too. Um I don't I, I don't know if 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 Rubio is the guy. I will we'll, we'll see how, how he does with the Smash national team this year and how he comes back to camp next year. I, I don't think he ever recovered from his injury completely. So maybe yeah. a summer of playing with the Spanish national team and then coming back with a full camp, maybe he'll be better next year. I kind of was liking liking to go small with uh potentially you know, I get it. You start, you start Mobley and Allen, but I think Garland is better with more with more shooters on the floor. All the Cavs in general are better. I like I like Mobley at center a lot of times. They don't have to play together. They can they can they can stagger minutes. Mobley and Allen. Um, I like I like I like Levert better than Rubio right now. With I don't know with, with another big they can they can d up and. And stretch the floor. Another three and D kind of kind of wing that can play the power forward with Mobley playing center. I don't know who that is yet. Maybe it's Dean Wade after a summer of working on stuff. I don't know. But maybe it's Lamar Stevens if he can 
start working on the shot again this summer and start hitting with more consistency. But I like the offense with those three guards, Mobley at the center, and then find somebody to play the four and play playing with pace. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned to you and uh, Big G some of my thoughts for the offseason, some acquisitions. And one of the guys I think the Cavs should look at is uh, Trey Lyles, who's a backup power forward with Sacramento. He's the kind of guy that could fill that Kevin Love role, but he's a lot younger than Kevin Love. He's he's the kind of guy that can shoot 40% from three. He can rebound. He's physical. He's young. That's the kind of guy I like to see them bring in as a backup power forward. And, uh, you know, I also like to see them bring in a guy like Kelly Oubre Jr. as a starting small forward or, you know, a guy that he's got a great, he can score the ball, he can pass, he's good on deflections. That's the kind of guy, I think the Cavs are going to need an influx of talent from outside teams. I don't think they can just count on Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens unless, you know, some kind of a miracle happens in the offseason where, where those guys just turn themselves around. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They didn't play a lot last year in the play-in games. They didn't play a lot against the Knicks. So I don't foresee them playing a lot, you know, in the coming playoffs. I mean, I think we need to find a solid nine-man rotation for this Cavs team going into next year's playoffs. Because I don't want to experience, you know, this bitter taste of going out, you know, in five games to the Knicks like we did this year. So I think the Cavs are going to have to reach out, hit the pavement, and find some new guys to bring in. Like I said, a small, a starting small forward a backup power forward and also uh, a shooting, a guy like a Doug McBurr or somebody who can shoot and also a, uh, like a backup center, like a Thomas Bryant. So I'm thinking about, you know, the, guy, the Cavs are going to have to mix it up a little bit and try to bring in some reinforcements to help, you know, improve the team for next year. Well, yeah, man, you have a big wish list there, BP. Um, I know well, I'm those familiar guys with Lyles. Guys, to be honest, to be, you know, the Cavs might have to figure something out with Get rid of contracts like Ricky Rubio, Dean Wade, Jetty Osman. You know, they're going to have to move some guys around. And that, that happens every year, no matter what. You never come back with the same group anyways. I think I think the only person that you just mentioned, the only person that has some type of value, I believe, in the trade market might be Chetty. That's because he plays, he hustles. He can hit the three on occasion. He's a streaky shooter. He's a six-seven wing. And... uh and his his contract, that's what I'm trying to say. His contract made, is, yeah. is, is tradable. You got you got Dean Wade who just signed a six year, a three no, year, no. eight three year, eighteen million dollar contract. Well the good news is the first the first year's already done. No, Dean no, no, Wade. no. I don't, I don't think I think that was he signed the, the extension well, to start next year. Also, I looked at Dean Wade's contract, it's not all full, fully guaranteed. So Okay, well I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. If you but look that, uh <laughs> Just to let our listeners know, basketballreference.com has all the salaries of the guys, and they show them, they even show if the count contracts are uh, guaranteed or not. So if you look at Dean Wade, his contract is in italics, which is he's not fully guaranteed. So okay. my, my opinion is they can get out of most, of, you know, they got out of guys like uh, Andre Drummond, you know, so they can get out of just about anybody. They got out of Kevin Love's contract, so you can get out of contracts. Well, they, 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 they bought Kevin Love out, and Andre Drummond had like, he was playing the last half of his of his of his of his uh, max contract, so that that was that was going to come off some teams' books. He went to did he go? Who did he go to when he left Cleveland? Andre the Drummond Lakers. after he, the he Lakers. was cut here. I think the L.A. The Lakers, Lakers signed him. Lakers, yeah, the Lakers. So but, yeah, but there, the, where there's a will, there's a way. You know these teams. I I, I believe that for a player or two. You named about four players though, BP. 
No, well, you can trade. You can trade a guy like Jetty Osmond. You know, there's probably a team out there that'll take Dean Wade. Maybe you know a team from Oklahoma City or some developmental team that wants to take a chance on a guy. So, okay. And uh, I get it. You know, again, it's you're not going to get your entire wish list, but the Cavs they just can't bring this team back as is. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. They also need some. All the guys on this Cavs team are finesse guys. You know, this was a. I've said in our previous broadcast, the Cavs were bullied by the Knicks at every position: at point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward and center. I mean, that's that was an embarrassment. We were bullied at every you're right. Position. So and, they got and, and if they if they had a luckily got by the Knicks, the same thing would happen with Miami. Miami plays that brand of basketball too. Yeah, I also think the Knicks was a bad matchup for the Cavs. I thought we would have. I think we could have beaten the, the Miami Heat. I think we could have given the, the Celtics a better run. I just. We just got bullied by the Knicks. Sometimes you get a bad matchup where the guy across from you is just tougher and you know hungrier. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think I think I think the Cavs got caught on their heels. They didn't they yeah. were they was weren't ready to expect what was to come, what came. Yeah. And I think some of it was on coaching too. Like we haven't talked that much about coaching, but one thing I did want to mention is there's been some pretty shocking coaching changes here in the NBA in the last couple of weeks. You know, Nick Nurse getting fired from the Toronto Raptors. And Budenholzer, you know, getting fired from Milwaukee. And these guys won championships in the last three years. So these aren't like just some losers. These guys brought championships to their cities. So Right, right, you know. right. And I think I think Nick Nurse will land on his feet faster than Budenholzer. Budenholzer would have been on his way out if they didn't come back from down 2-0 against Phoenix. That, yeah. that championship bought him a couple more years. Right. But, you know, he did steer them to a championship. You know, he... We can't even win a friggin' playoff game here, basically. So, you know, I, I have to believe, J.B. Bickerstaff, to me, is is somewhat on a hot seat going, you know, this coming season. I mean, if he just yeah, flounders I got, out. I got I got J.B. and Jerry Allen on, on the hot seat, on my Cavs hot seat. But uh, Milwaukee did have a few years of going to the playoffs and losing and building up before they got that championship. And they, they went out last year. Was it in the in the semifinals? Remember last year, Chris Middleton was injured, so they did lose an All Star player. And even this year, when you really, you know, Giannis Giannis missed two and a half games with injury against the Miami Heat. Right. So you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have Giannis injured for two and a half games out of a six or seven game series, you know, you're you're gonna lose some games there. That's my opinion. Yeah, not, I, 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 are, yeah, he's not the greatest coach in the world, but, you know, they certainly – it just shows you that everybody's on a short leash in this NBA. I agree with you. I wouldn't if, – if I had a choice between Budenholzer and JB, I would keep JB. Okay. I may I, – I probably would take Nick Nurse over JB, but I wouldn't take Budenholzer. Yeah. I think I think he's just a – I mean, he's 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 a he also, good coach, but he's he not. He's not job. I mean, remember Budenholzer was a, he built the Atlanta Hawks up pretty good too. I mean, they won fifty one year. They were the top seed in the East, and the Cavs yeah. they had home advantage over the Cavs. Two thousand fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, but okay. yeah, the the Cavs swept them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, that's LeBron, LeBron. see. they didn't. Yeah, I mean, so his his teams outside that team that came back from Milwaukee because of Giannis. Played out of his mind. I, I I really don't value his teams in the playoffs myself. But hey, you were we were talking earlier before we came on, on air, and and you were saying something about uh stuff on the Cleveland radio there in, in Cleveland where you're at. 
about potential Darius Garland trade rumors, man. So give us give us something on that. Yeah, there's a you know there was a report. Now it came out of Portland, so I think in Port they were in Portland. They're trying to get younger out there, and they're rebuilding. And Dane Lillard said, you know, he doesn't he doesn't know if he wants to endure a whole long rebuild process. And so there had, well, there was a rumor floated out there out of uh, Portland that you know possibly the Cavs would be willing to trade Darius Garland for uh, Damian Lillard. And uh, you know. Now, I, I personally don't like that trade because then Lillard is also 6-1, and so is Donovan Mitchell. So you're back to having two smallish guards in the backcourt, which I don't love. And Lillard's also had, you know, major uh, surgeries. You know, he's got a lot of miles on him. He's about 32 years old, maybe more. So I personally don't like that trade. But, you know, I did want to mention that to our, our audience that, you know, that there are some potential – you know, trades for Darius Garland, in my opinion, I, I would be open to looking to trade Darius Garland to sort of even out the Cavs team to get away from these two six foot one guards where I would trade Darius Garland to maybe like a team like New Orleans for Brandon Ingram, or maybe trade him to Toronto for like OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, like something like that, where that, and then, you know. But why, I, I, I agree with the players that you're trying to get back in return, but why Darius Garland when he's, starts a five-year deal next year and Mitchell's on a two-year deal the last year, the third year being player option. He, he he could leave. There's a lot of talk about him potentially leaving. So why won't we try and flip Mitchell, who probably has more value right now, instead yeah. of Darius Garland? Well, for, I mean, to me, Don Mitchell's a, a much better player. I mean, I don't consider them in the same boat. I think Don Mitchell is an all-NBA type player. I think Darius Garland's more like an all-star player. So I want to keep Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a big difference maker. I think Darius Garland is a good player, but I don't like the fact that he's so frail. I mean, I just, I don't know if, you know, if you, you know, he gets bullied pretty easily and he gets injured, you know, quite often. He usually misses about 15 to 20% of every season, you know, on average. So he's not the most durable guy, but I, I think he's a great, very good player. But he's also young. He's only 23 years old. So to the right team that's rebuilding, he could be a you know a great piece where he could he's almost like a poor man Steph Curry. He could dribble, handle the ball, pass, and then shoot it from three. So I thought maybe a team like New Orleans, that they've got like a guy like Herb Jones who's developing as a small forward. Maybe they then they could get rid of a guy like Ingram. Or you know, Toronto has sort of like a plethora of small forwards with Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, and Pascal Siakam. Again, it's just an idea. But I think because Jared Allen's not going to bring you much in a trade if the Cavs look to trade Jared Allen. You're, what are you going to get back for Jared Allen? You know, a couple of maybe a role player or something. But right, my opinion to sort of help the Cavs even out their team. I could see I could Donovan Mitchell can easily play point guard. I mean, he could be your point guard. You could bring Karis Levert as your shooting guard. You can have a guy like Brandon Ingram as your small forward. Then you got Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. That to me is a hell of a team. I like I like that lineup. I like getting like getting the size. Yeah. My only thing my only thing about it is the is the risk you're taking that Mitchell re-ups with Cleveland. You know, you know what you mentioned that, you know, in this NBA, you know, when I started watching NBA, the guys signed seven-year contracts, like Sean Kemp came to Cleveland on seven-year, $105 million contract way back in the day. Now the contracts are four years. So there's a very right. short window with everybody. You know, you don't get seven years with a Kobe Bryant or a Sean Kemp. You get four years. Yeah. Because all the players are trying to get to their next contract. That's that's the goal. It's the name of the game. Yeah. Let's now, get to our next contract. Yeah. So I can't worry about 
I mean, Donovan Mitchell seems very happy here. He's a, in a one-hour plane ride to New York. His mom comes. I've seen his mom at the games. He seems very happy. So I'm not going to you know, worry about him leaving. You know, I just, he's, you know, I mean, I just want to, I mean, Cleveland is not New York City. It's not Miami. It's not Los Angeles, but it's a great place, you know, where the guy can make $38 million a year. Right. No, I don't disagree with you. So, man, let's just recap what we talked about real quick. Then I'm going to ask you about some of these playoffs games. It's great happening in a few minutes starting tonight. I mean, starting in a few minutes, tonight's playoff games. Sure. Um, so we talked about Darius Garland. This episode was about Darius Garland and what, what, what he was for the Cavs in 2022-2023. He wasn't quite an all-star. He was close to his all-star numbers he had from the year before, from the 21-22 season. He was he is pretty much identical to those numbers. One less assist, a, a a tenth of a point less, and he had uh half a rebound less. So he was really close to those all-star numbers. Being an all-star in the East is really tough. So I, I understand why he didn't make it. Um just to interrupt you for one split second, like Trey Young. I mean, he didn't make the all-star team this year. Kyrie Irving didn't make the all-star team this year. Um, there was a, you know, Drew Holiday didn't make the team. James Harden didn't make it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I can't go by, I was on NBA radio, you know, during the all-star period. And I said, I'm not mad that Darius Garland didn't make the all-star team. You know, it, it's not that big of a deal. You know, sometimes right. guys have better years. L luckily, he got the recognition last year. It helped that the game last year was in Cleveland. I think that pushed him over the edge for being, you know, added to the team. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to sweat it that he didn't make the all-star team. He's making, you know, fantastic money. He's getting a ton of accolades. So no, you know, a, it is a, what it is. They only take 12 guys, which I think is antiquated. They probably should take 15 all-stars, you know, from each conference going forward. But, you know, that's you're just... Probably, you're probably thought. right. Yeah. But look that's at like a, Bradley um, Bill. I don't... He, he, you know, you're from the Washington area. He didn't make the all-star team. I'm from I'm from Northeast Ohio, right. like you. Right, right. But I'm in the Washington D.C. area. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you're from but, there now, right? Right. Well, I'm still I'm still from Youngstown, but yeah, I live here. Yeah, you're right. Okay. But uh, so just in recapping, Darius Garland going forward, he had he had a good season, not as good as All Star season, almost as equally as good. Just was tough to get in that game this year. But going forward, we like to see the him and the Cavs. Push the pace, maybe play smaller. Uh, I want him to take more threes, and I want him off ball a little more. Him and Mitchell to kind of split those duties in half, um, far as being on ball and off ball, and get Evan Mobley involved a lot more. Hopefully, he's stronger next year, and he can do more with his back to the basket and in the paint and on the baseline. And the Cavs just have a better offense. They're deep. Their defense was good. So um, with that being said about Darius Garland and what, what, he, what he can work on this summer and what the Cavs can try and change to be a faster-paced offense going into next season, um, we'd like to say the next, the next player that we'll break down in our next episode will be Evan Mobley. So we want to let you guys know that. Now, before we get out of here, BP, let's talk about these games tonight. We got, we got the Knicks. And the heat, the heat up two one, right? Yeah. Well, what, what do you think about that series? Uh, I think that uh, you know, it seems like 
Julius Randle's not 100%, and now they're saying Jalen Brunson's not 100%. So they're, you know, the media is kind of blaming it on that. And then, you know, Jimmy Butler has been like playoff Jimmy Butler, where he's really taken over. He's been fantastic. So, and then I, I got to, you know, they talk about that heat culture. You know, you've got guys that are, you know, coming off the bench and really producing, you know, for the Miami Heat. So, and then I think the coaching has been better from the heat. So I, but there's, I think the heat are going to take care of them. And Bam Adebayo has been good. You know, we haven't heard Mitchell Robinson's name that much. Like we did against the Cavs. We were making him look like a combination of Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell. So, you know, Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo has done a good job neutralizing him on the boards. And even our old friend, Kevin Love has grabbed nine boards in a game. He's had, you know, some pretty good games. I think we could have used Kevin Love against the Knicks. So we could have, we could have used Kevin Love and Bam. And Bam Adebayo and Jared Allen are cut different. They're just two different yeah. type of mentalities on the court. Yeah. And that's what that comes down to because Jared Allen is actually a, a, a larger, taller, and bigger than Bam Adebayo. Yeah. I mean, Jared Allen had a very disappointing series against the Knicks, and it was mostly – had nothing to do with his offense. It was all that rebounding, all the offensive rebounds Mitchell Robinson was getting. So – Hopefully they learned a lesson. Hopefully Mobley gets stronger this summer, you know, you know, really puts on some muscle weight. And actually we were talking, I hope Darius Garland gets stronger too. I think he's a little on the frail side. He needs to, you know, take a page out of the like Kobe Bryant book, the Michael Jordan book and the LeBron James book. All those guys were thin when they came into the league, but they got stronger and tougher. They also had the frames to grow into too, though. So we're talking, Six 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 nine LeBron Kobe six six. So he had the frames to grow into. Jarius Garland's six one six two. So I mean he does need to get stronger. I'm not I'm not disputing that, but it won't be on the level of the growth that LeBron and Michael Jordan, those guys had because they had more to grow into. Yeah. But you know, I still think Garland needs to get stronger. I mean, this NBA is about usually the strongest players are, are there at the end. Look at you know Drew Holiday, James Harden. You know, these are pretty beefy guys. You know, there's Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle. Yeah, but, was... you, but, but, you, but you, you can't compare those guys. You're going to have some guys that are like Trey Young. They're like Darius Garland. I mean, he, he can't grow into what he's not capable of growing into. No, but he, but needs... he can get stronger. Yeah, he, he can't get the weight room. And he's 23, so he's kind of great. Grow, take that growth into his, his grown man body here shortly. So we'll see what happens. But as yeah. far as the series go, uh, the heater up. 2-1, they're in Miami. I probably have the Heat winning tonight going up 3-1, and it won't be long before it's over. Maybe maybe 4-2, six games. Maybe Knicks go back home and get one. I got Miami winning tonight. Um, what, about, what about the Lakers? Lakers and Golden State at L.A. Lakers are up two games to one. Yeah, that's why I was going to ask you about that one. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about that one? You know, I'm pulling for the Lakers, uh, you know, because of LeBron and um, – you know, I, I and I really don't like Steph. That's just because of the, the the rivalry with the Cavs and Golden State. And I don't like, like I personally don't like Draymond and Clay Thompson. I just, I you know, that's how strong of a Cavs fan just can't stand Golden State. They they've won so much, and a lot of it was at our expense. So I'll be pulling for the Lakers tonight. I to me the key tonight is uh, the Ohio State guard D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell when he comes out firing. You know, getting 15 to 20 points, they usually the Lakers win because also Anthony Davis has to have one of his good games. He's been like back and forth. You know, the last game he had 23 points, I think 15 rebounds. 
He's also had some duds where he only scores 12 points and gets seven rebounds. So he's got to be on his A game tonight. He should be. It's The game is in L.A. I'm hoping the Lakers can win tonight and then, you know, take care of the series in six games. Okay. I don't disagree with you. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is 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 key. But like, like, like Shaq says, D'Angelo Russell is one of the others. The others do need to play well. They typically play better at home, hence – the game he had the other night, he came out here like scored like 13 out of the first 15 points. Yeah. He was quiet. He was quiet the rest of the game. I think he finished with like 19 or 20. Um, but it has to go through AD though. AD has to dominate the paint. He's been dominating defensively. We don't need him to go like he did in game two, going 13 and seven. We we need at least 20, 20 and 12 with four blocks. You just just be an impactful player in the paint. They don't have anybody that can deal with him. And if LeBron continues to just pace himself and go downhill when the opportunity presents itself. When LeBron's going downhill, they don't have an answer for him at all. He can get he can get in the paint and get just about any any shot he wants. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think I think those are the are the keys. Like you, I too am rooting for the Lakers because of LeBron. Um I like kind of kind of like the Lakers a little bit too, because Magic Johnson was my all-time favorite player. But uh, yeah, I like. I, but I do like. Unlike you, I do like Steph. I didn't like Steph because he's a whiny baby back when we were playing him in fourteen and fifteen. But he's kind of matured. I like where he's at. Where he's at as a player and a man now. Not that I'm rooting for him. I just like him as a player. But yeah, I don't. I don't much care for Draymond Green. Clay's okay. He's really, really arrogant and cocky. But I, I, I know why you and others root against Golden State. What's funny that you mentioned, you know, Steph Curry, when you look back in 2015 when we played them in the NBA Finals, he looked like a baby. And you can see that he's gotten a lot stronger in the last five, six, seven years, like physically. Right. It That's what I want to see from Garland. I want to see him kind of mature like Steph Curry. But, yeah, but you said like 2015. That was eight years ago. Right. But I'm saying Garland's got a, Garland hasn't gotten stronger, and, and he's already been on the Cavs for about three or four seasons. He's well, basically eight, been eight, the same. Eight years ago, Steph was 26. Garland is 23 now. So you said from 2015, he started getting strong. But, he was, no, but it's been a gradual. It, even when we lost to 2018, Steph Curry was getting stronger. He was going into the paint. So it's been a, a gradual climb for Steph Curry. Right. It'll happen, BP. It takes patience. There's oh. Garland. is a little guy. He's 20, 23 years old. He, he, he will put on some muscle. I promise. It'll happen. Yeah. Now, one thing about Garland, to give him his props, he was dunking the ball more this year. So, you know, you can see that he's, you know, he's got some more hops in his game where there was a game, I think it was against the Knicks, where he took it to the basket and he dunked or he tried to dunk, you know, and then. Yeah, maybe, I, I remember know, that but, game. So, you know, he has improved. Now, there's been some breakaways where he's easily, you know, slammed the ball. So, you know, he's showing improvement. So. But yeah, okay. I agree with you. But we're going to get out of here, man. So. Thanks, everybody that's been listening to That's Rather Cavalier podcast. Uh, please, please like and subscribe. Follow us on, on the audio on audio channels. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Check us out. All you got to do is search FSSN. That's Rather Cavalier. We like to thank the FSN network, who we're a part of. Um, if you want to watch the, the, the video on this, please check it out on the Know-It-Alls channel on YouTube. Just go to the Know-It-Alls and look for the That's Rather Cavalier video. And 
that's about it. Thank you for listening. You got anything to say important, BP, before we get out? No, just thanks, everybody, for listening and watching on all the different uh, outlets that were on the platforms. And uh, we're, we're going to do a, at least one show per week, maybe more, kind of rehashing the Cavs' top players and also giving our thoughts on the NBA playoffs going forward. And then eventually we're going to get into the NBA draft lottery and then the NBA uh, the NBA draft, which will be in late June. Yes, sir. Cavs don't pick to the second round, but we'll still be we'll, – we'll be more so looking at the draft and looking at what – moves the Cavs can potentially make to get better for next year. So for That's Rather Cavalier, I'm your boy Tate. And for the homie BP and Pepper Pike, thanks for joining us. And we out.